Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. All I can say is, wow. Amen? Is it okay say amen to Baptist Church? I think it still is. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 1. I don't know. Steve may have read my notes. I have no idea. But uh, everything you... Uh, we talk to the same boss. We serve the same boss. That's right. We do. And uh, Steve, thank you. And the choir and the musicians and all those that have been involved. I was glad to see Jason open up on those drums. I thought, when's he going to open up on the drums? And he did, and it was great. Thank you. There, he just went all the way to the back, okay? They save you a back seat in the Baptist church. You get a back row seat, you got to come early. And I'm glad my family is here. My grandson, Ashton, who came to know the Lord not long ago. Amy and Kevin. And my adopted son that I never wanted, Tim Bob White, okay? The reason I call him Bob is because the first time I ever met him, he said his name was Bob. And nobody told me different until several days later. And finally I realized that his name was Tim. Okay. So um, it's good to see old friends and hopefully to make some new friends as well. Before I read the scripture, I want to thank you, for Pastor, for your invitation to allow me to share today. Also, thank you for your leadership, Steve, your leadership in Oxford Baptist Church through the years. And um, I want to thank you for your support of our Association of Churches. It is your association, it's not mine, and it is consisting of churches that work together to accomplish what we could not do by ourselves. I thank you for your kind words, Andy, as well. Talking about remember a moment ago, I was a young person that was drugged to church. I had a drug problem. From the time I was born, I was taken to church. Calvary Baptist Church was the first church I was taken to, right across from what's now Piedmont Newton. Then from there, I came to know Christ at Midway Baptist Church, which is now Pleasant View Baptist Church here in Covington on Flat Shows Road. And I haven't gotten over it since. And I thank God for that. Our association is doing well. I'm glad to report that to you. I was at the church called Reach the Nations Community Church. Bill Johnson is a church planter there. He serves on staff. When you give an offering and you receive your offering, a portion of your offering goes to support the work that our association of churches does every week. And Bill's church is in two services. We're trying to find more space for them. Pray for us about that. We've actually had a donor that has come forward to pay for the first month's rent because rent is difficult. Places to find in Clarkston are hard to find. So we praise God for that. And uh, when I preached there the other week, Bill was on vacation. There were 15 nations of the world there. And there were a lot of murmuring going on in church, but what they were doing is not speaking in tongues, but they knew other tongues, other languages, and they were being interpreted. Someone was sitting beside them to interpret what I was saying so that they would understand. That church is consisting of 15 Nations from around the world. The congregation that I spoke to was the African congregation. The second service basically made up of Indians that have come to know Christ, Pakistanis, others that came to know Christ through Bill's ministry. We have other ministries going on across our area, reaching the diversity of our association of churches. Pray for us as we're about to start three Hispanic works, possibly five. 
but we know we have three in the hopper because we have three church planters that God has brought our way to reach the growing Spanish population. We also have just uh, about to start a church planting school. We have already five planters signed up for the church planting school. And uh, we also just finished a builder's project. Phil back there is part of our builder's team, and others perhaps have gone. Our Bow Mission Builders built the um, Dream Center. It's an alcohol treatment home for women in Vidalia, Georgia. And Ashton and I went on Ashton's first mission trip, participated in painting. I think we got more paint on us than we did on the walls, but we had a great time and enjoyed ourselves there. So there are many opportunities for you as a church to be involved, our disaster relief team, builders, as well as other ways that you can participate. Today I want to share with you on the subject of a revelation that started a revolution. There was this man by the name of John who was an Isle of Patmos, and he wrote down this revelation from God of what God showed him. And I want to read to you the entire chapter. I've got up there verse 9 through 20. But if you would allow me, I want us to read the entire chapter, and I want to call your attention to what God's Word has to say to us even today. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Version of the Bible, so it may read a little bit different than your version but it's still the Word of God. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his slaves what must quickly take place, he sent it and signified it through his angel to his slave John, who testified to God's Word and to the testimony about Jesus Christ and all he saw. Blessed is the one who reads, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who was, and who is coming, from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, including those who pierced him, and all the families of the earth will mourn over him. That is certain. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is coming, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in tribulation, kingdom and perseverance in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos, because of God's word and the testimony about Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write on the scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. When I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a long robe and with a gold sash wrapped around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, his eyes like a fiery flame, his feet like the bronzed fire in the furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. In his right hand he had seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was shining like the sun at midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. 
he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you've seen and what is and what will take place after this. The secret of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and of the seven gold lampstands in this, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father God, use your word and use my feeble comments and thoughts, Lord, to guide us today, to help us to begin to realize that we're supposed to be part of a revolution. Lord, because John saw a tremendous outpouring of your spirit on that Isle of Patmos. And Lord, it changed his life. And he wrote down these words to warn us and to tell us of what is to come. And God, we know that your son, Jesus Christ, is coming again. And Lord, help us to live our lives as if he were coming today. Use me, hide me behind your cross, and may you speak through me. And may people not see me, but Jesus in me. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our entire world, it seems like to me lately, is talking about politics more than they are talking about Jesus. I don't know if you've seen that, but on the news, that's all we hear. Politics, and one of our presidents even ran on a platform many years ago on change you can believe in. But the reality of it is, is that the true change and the only change that you can believe in is a change that comes when you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, when you surrender to Him. And so the answers that we need are not going to be found in Washington. And some of us are so wrapped up in Washington, we forgot that there's an instruction manual called the Word of God that we're supposed to be looking at and reading, and we're supposed to be seeking God's help. And the answers aren't going to be found in Washington, but they're going to be found in the Word of God, and they're going to be discovered in the church house. Because what we need today is we don't need more government. We need Jesus. What our world needs today is we need spiritual awakening. What our nation needs today is for us to be awakened and realize that we're supposed to be a part of a revolutionary force that literally changes this world. And so I want you to be reminded you today that the Apostle John was no stranger to the hatred of the world. He was a prisoner on this small island called Patmos, about 15 miles from Ephesus, having been banished there by Domitian, the most cruel and wicked emperor who ever sat on the throne of Nero. And he demanded that everybody worship him as God. And he wanted the people to bow down before him and say, Caesar is Lord. But Christians simply refused to do so And instead, they professed that Christ is Lord. He was Lord then, and he's Lord even today. John was a prisoner there because of two things that was happening. It tells us in the Scripture that he was a witness to the Word of God, and he also was there because of his testimony for the Lord Jesus. And John was not only a witness, he was worshiping. In verse number 10, we see these words. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Well, guess what? Today is the Lord's Day. It's Sunday. It's the same day that John had that revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ 
appeared to him on that deserted island is the same day that you and I are gathered here today. We too are in a worship service. And my focus and goal today is to get all of us focused once again back on Jesus. I want you to notice something. John, in verse number 12, had to change his view and he had to turn around in order to see Jesus. Because there was a voice that spoke that was from behind him and when he turned and he recognized the voice was the one of the living Son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And John paid strict attention to what Jesus had to say to him. When he heard and what he saw, he wrote down in a letter, in a book called the Revelation that I just read. Now I want you to notice what it tells us in verse number 10. And I want you to bring, keep your Bible open. There's some things I want to call to your attention. I was on the, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So first thing he did was he heard. Verse number 12, it tells us very clearly. I turned to see that voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw. And so the second thing is, not only did he hear, but he turned toward God. And the third thing he did was he saw the revelation of what God wanted him to see. And last of all, I want you to notice in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I have a friend of mine who's a chaplain in the U.S. Army, and he has a blog, Andy, that's called Dead Man Walking, taken right out of that verse of Scripture because he recognizes that he's dead in his trespasses of sin and alive to Jesus Christ. And so if we get a fresh glimpse of Jesus, we're challenged to do some things. We're challenged to witness, we're challenged to worship, and we're challenged to wait. And that's what I want to unpack for you this morning. John realized that his best ministry was so ahead of him. And so when he saw the revelation of Jesus Christ, he fell down as a dead man. And the risen Christ has been walking among the churches all along. And the risen Christ is still walking through the Spirit and the churches today. And we keep adding things to the churches. And if we're not real careful, we'll fail to realize that there's some things that we need to take away from our churches so we can be laser-focused on what God wants the church to be about and the church to do. If we don't do that, then those nevertheless that he refers to and the seven letters through chapters 1, 2, and 3 are going to stay in our churches and are going to hinder us from being the church God wants us to be. You see, when you see a dying church that's not willing to repent, you see Christ coming quickly the Bible says, to remove the lampstand. And the book was written to exalt Jesus. That's why we have this book. Chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us that great happiness comes to people that read this book. So let me just remind you, I'll pause for a minute, give you an opportunity. I see only one person smiling this morning while I'm preaching, okay? So if you're supposed to have happiness when you read this book, smile a little bit. Notify your face to smile, and maybe even turn to somebody else and share a smile because they may need one this morning as well. And so it says that great happiness comes to those, and this is the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing if you read it. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Somebody's still with me. Thank you, Steve. All right. It's a threefold blessing. 
First of all, the Scripture tells us in chapter 1 and verse 3 what it has to say. Blessed is the one who reads, and blessed are those that hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written. So he said, blessed are those that read, blessed are those that give attention to what they read, they put it into practice, basically, and blessed is he that considers it, that takes action on what the book tells us to do. Why? The end of the verse says, because the time is near. My friends, the time for Jesus to come again is nearer today than ever before. It's time for us as churches to get serious and quit playing church and quit just going through the motions, but to really get serious about what God is doing on planet Earth and our participation in that. Because the time is at hand. It's a book written to the church. Verses 4 through 6 tell us that. It's written to the church. And then it also tells us in those verses, grace and peace are always with you. Now you know that those words are always in that order. Don't know if you're aware of that or not. Your pastor's probably told you that. Grace and peace. You never have peace until you've experienced grace. Amen? You can't have true peace until you've had the experience of grace and forgiveness in your life. Grace and peace is guaranteed by Jesus, who is the faithful witness, the leader of the resurrection, the ruler of the earth. And Jesus is the one who loved us, washed us, and loosed us from our sins. Now, verses 7 and 8 tell us that it also is Jesus is the one who one day will give us a visible and a victorious return. Only Jesus can bring comfort and blessings to his church. So that's the promise that we have. I don't know about you, but I promised my children, my grandchildren things before. And I said, it's coming. I remember when Amy got to be 16, I promised her I'd get her a car. And it was an elation and a joy on my part when she saw that car and she was excited about that car. Who received the greatest blessing? Not necessarily Amy, but her parents, her mother and I, who were the ones that gave her that car. And the reality of it is, there's promises, blessings unto us that are given when you and I await with anticipation what God has in plan and in store for our lives. The same was true for John. All of his life, since coming to Christ, he had been told about these promises of the Lord Jesus. All these years, how Jesus was going to return someday. And now beginning in verse 9, he sees all these promises start to come to reality and start to become real to him. I'll ask you the question, how should you and I live as we anticipate the promise of his return? So when Jesus comes again, here's the first thing that I think you and I need to work at and participate in. It's the same thing we've been in since 1045 this morning, and that is worship. Worship. The chief end of man, it's been said for many years, is to worship the holy God. But also, it's about witnessing as well. So I want to start with witnessing. When Jesus comes again, he should find his church giving witness. What did John do? He wrote down a witness of what he saw, what he heard, and what he started to recognize about Jesus. Because of his devotion and his witness, 
they sought to get rid of him. They put him on a deserted island. And yet here, separated from friends and from his family. You know what I think he was doing? I think he was having his own worship service and saying, glory to God at what he's revealed to me as a slave and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, folks, you and I are challenged to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, regardless of the cost. If you have truly come in contact with the risen Savior, and many of us have, there may be some that have not, then what you and I are supposed to be doing is telling somebody else about Jesus. I recall just months ago when Amy and Kevin called and said, Ashton has made a decision to give his life to Jesus Christ. You know what the first thing he wanted to do was? The first thing that any of us should be doing. He wanted to tell somebody what Jesus had done for him. And it's just as simple as that. A testimony is not having a wealth of Bible knowledge where you've got to spout all of these Scripture verses. It's simply giving a testimony of what Jesus has done for you and how He's changed your life. So when Jesus comes again, are you going to be found witnessing and sharing your faith? What do you, who do you know right now who needs to know about Jesus? The second thing I want us to recognize is that John not only tells us that we're supposed to be involved in witnessing, as he was, he was an example to us, but we're also to be involved in worship. Verses 10 through 18 is about a worship experience. John was in the Spirit, and in the Spirit means that simply his heart was right with God to hear from God, to hear what God had to say to him, for God to speak to him. wasn't any charismatic experience. He was seeking the Lord God. He was prepared, and John was told to write and send this letter to seven churches. And just what did he see? Well, if you look in the Scripture, it tells us that John said that he saw one like the Son of Man among the lampstands. Verse number 13, the seven gold lampstands representing the seven churches. Now, a lamp does not originate light. A lamp only conveys light. And a lampstand has no light in itself. In the same way, a church has no light in and of itself. We're totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. And so we have to be dependent on Him. And the lampstands, the Bible says, were golden lampstands. And gold is a symbol of the glory of God. And the light we have in Jesus Christ, the church exists for us to give and show forth that light. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life in John chapter 8 and verse number 12. So here's the purpose. The church is to give light to this world for the glory of God, not for the glory of the church. We're to give light to the world for the glory of God, not for the glory of the church. Now, I hear some folks, Baptist folks, you know, we're good about talking. And the thing about Baptist folks is we're also guilty of a lot of gossip. When things aren't going good at somebody else's church or when things are going good at a church, we want to go find out what's going on there. 
And so I found out about Baptists that if you don't give them the right answers, they fill in the blanks and we usually get them wrong. And so what John was doing was John was saying to the churches, you're to give light to the world. He saw this revelation. And you and I are to give light to the world of Jesus Christ. And the light that we're to give is not to give glory to our churches, but to give glory unto God. And he appears here with eyes of fire. Fire tests and proves any metal being examined for impurities. Notice, nothing escapes the eyes of Jesus. There's no such thing as a hidden sin. He doesn't miss anything. His eyes are penetrating like fire. A church being not what it should be aroused his indignation to the point that this book was written. His voice was like many waters. Now, I've never been to Niagara Falls. I've been beside some waterfalls, and I don't know about you, but when you stand beside a waterfall, the sound of that water coming over the falls is so resounding, you can't even hear somebody beside you. Now, you think about it. The voice of God speaking was louder than that through His Son, Jesus Christ. He had seven stars, the Scripture says, in His right hand. And the stars are looked up to even today as a way that we control the destiny of man. Bethlehem was a time when a star was shown. And the wise men followed that star to find the Lord Jesus Christ in the manger. And the stars have been known and told as spoke to by commentators as the angels of the church, the pastors, the messengers of the church. And note if the church is to be what God wants it to be, then we must be held in His hand. We must be captured by the living God. And coming from His mouth was a two-edged sword. The sword was to slay or to save, depending on how it's used. And His countenance was shining, the Scripture says, as the midday. We can't look at the sun. It's too brilliant. They're telling us with this upcoming eclipse that you can't look directly at it. You need special glasses to do so. And his countenance, the Lord Jesus, was like that sun at midday. Nor could John look at the Son of God. And verses 17 and 18, when John saw him, he knew what to do. He fell at his feet as a dead man. And when he fell at his feet, the Lord Jesus laid his right hand upon him as a symbol of spiritual authority. Because everywhere in Scripture you see God extending His hand. He's extending His righteous, the Bible says, right hand. And He alone reminds us that He's in control of death and hell. No wonder John fell in worship. But there's one other thing that I want to call to your attention now. I'll close. We see John witnessing. We see John worshiping. And you and I should be doing the same. We should be faithful in worship faithful in our witness, and faithful in anticipating His coming again because it's imminent. It's going to be immediate. And John lived in expectancy of His return, and we too must be living as if He's coming today. So what are we to do while we wait? Peter wrote these words. If you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Peter gives us a glimpse of what you and I should be doing while we're waiting. And I'll have to wait on you to turn 
okay? Because some of you have gotten lazy already and you're not turning, okay? Or maybe look at it on your mobile device. Whatever you're doing, look at the Word of God and look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Did you hear that? Peter said that we're supposed to be praying while we wait. Praying for people that are lost. Praying for His return. And we should be in prayer as we wait. And above all, let me say that again, above all, keep your love for one another. Who's that? That's that person sitting beside you. That's that person that's a part of your church family. That's you and me. That's all of us. Keep your love for one another at full strength since love covers a multitude of sin. So while we wait, here's what I think we need to be doing. We must see and serve people just like Jesus did. Let me say that again in case you missed it. We must see and serve people just like Jesus did. Because if Christ lives in us and those that are believers and followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, should illumine our eyes to the needs of people and we should see them like Jesus sees them. Destined for an eternity, separated from a holy God, unless you and I are faithful in our witness and unless you and I are faithful in our service to them. The character of the present day church is summed up in one word. It's found when the letters go on to the church at Laodicea. And the revelation that John received, the church was characterized as being lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, neither one thing or the other. It was a nauseating mixture of things, basically. And the present day church is wealthy and worldly, riddled with compromise, cults and carnality. And the Lord Jesus, I think, looks at His church today and says, That's not the bride for whom I'm supposed to return for. We need to have the church repentant. We need to have a church that is contrite. A church that's deep in prayer, seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is on the outside of the old thing, calling for individuals to respond and separate themselves unto Him. Probably one of the most misquoted verses in the Revelation is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, where it says in the Scripture, Behold, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears me and opens the door and comes in, I will sup with him and he with me. And the way it's misinterpreted many times is because I've heard preachers, I've been guilty myself at times earlier, before I got enlightened to what it meant, that um, Jesus is knocking on your heart door and he's wanting to come in. And so he's knocking and he's wanting an invitation from you to let him into your life. While that is true, the context of that verse of Scripture is simply this. Jesus was knocking on the outside of the church, literally saying, let me back in. Let me in your church. Let me inside. Let me be the ruler and reign in your life and in the church. And Paul said, 
the church wasn't a building. That's why many years ago our forefathers used to refer to our church buildings as the meeting house. That's what they said it was. It wasn't a church building that saved anybody. It's a meeting house. But Paul said in Corinthians, you are the church of the living God. So is God speaking to you today? Is He saying to you, or even saying to the corporate church, let me in. Are there some things that need to get clarity in your life? Are there some things that need to have clarity in your church? My friends, are you witnessing for Jesus? Are you worshiping Jesus? Are you waiting for Jesus' return? The Savior, the Lord Jesus, is waiting for you. Waiting for you to make a decision. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. That time is for us to be invited to make a spiritual decision. And God may have spoke to your heart about some area of your life that you've been slack in and you've been lax in. And just by going over this chapter of Scripture today, you've been reminded of what Jesus wants you to be doing. Maybe you need to be a part of this fellowship. Maybe He's calling you to give your life to Christ. Pastor Andy will be standing here in just a moment as we sing to receive you and for you to make that spiritual decision. But before we do that and give the invitation, would you bow with me once again as we pray? Dear God, thank you for this time that I've had to share this great passage of Scripture from your Holy Word. Thank you, Lord, that you touch and speak to lives even today. God, thank you that you're present in this very room. Your Holy Spirit's moving among us now. Lord, may we ask ourselves those questions. Am I waiting? Am I worshiping? Am I witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, help us to be found faithful in all that we do. And I pray, God, that you'll bless this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.